On a brand new Josh Nason's Punch-Out, my year-in-view series and pro wrestling continues with a stop in October. And Rich Fan of PW Torch debuts on this very show. Been looking forward to talking to him for quite some time. And we talk a lot. We talked about the Tuesday Night War that was NXT versus AEW. Of course, WWE bring in The Undertaker, Cody Rhodes, John Cena, Paul Heyman, Asuka. They want to make sure they didn't lose. And they did not. Rich and I talked about some of the overreactions coming out of the Tuesday Night War. Of course, we go over the month of WWE, which include Fastlane, Triple H being officially cemented as the man in creative and how that hell happened. Some CM Punk talk. Again, before he'd even signed with WWE, there was some talk that he was not going to come back to WWE. He had no interest. Turned out to be false. Of course, we talked about NXT, Ring of Honor, AEW. AEW held their first of Wrestle Dream, which saw the AEW debut of Adam Edge Copeland. And later in the month, or yeah, it was later in the month, Ric Flair made his surprise debut, reuniting with Sting. We talked about that and some of the lack of positive reaction to that signing. Of course, the month in Impact, Japan, the junk drawer, which included Ronda Rousey making her surprise in-ring return at a Lucha Vavum event and a lack of interest from the overall wrestling community. We chat about that and all kinds of other stuff as well. I love this conversation. Rich and I talked for quite a while about everything that happened in the month of October 2023 and what it meant, what it could mean. So enjoy this episode of Josh Nason's Punch-Out! Year Review Series in Pro Wrestling continues right about now. Well, I continue the pro wrestling year in review series. And as I like to do, I always like to bring on new names, new faces. Even though you're hearing this, you can't see it. It's a new face to me. So you have to have just imagine. Uh, I heard this gentleman on one of my favorite shows, Pollock and Thurston, several weeks ago. And had to have him on this series. I was glad I was able to uh, to get him. He's a hard get these days. He was busy being a dad and doing uh, his column work at the PW Torch. Also, MCU later for post-wrestling. East Coast cast, all kinds of stuff. And happy to secure his services here. Rich Fan, welcome to Josh Nason's Puncho. Finally, you're here. Thank you, Josh. As I was saying before we started recording, I love your show here at The Observer. I love just everything about it. And it was stressful to think about, like listening to everybody else talk about a month when I have the memory of a hamster. That is not <laughs> what brings me to the table at the torture at post. But I'm going to suffer through it. We're going we're gonna to make this awesome. And I am looking forward to talking through our month in question, because this one I remember because there was a lot of crazy things that happened. That's right. That's right. Before we get uh, going, for those that may have not heard you before, uh, how did you kind of work your way into the pro wrestling, uh, the sphere, working for the torch and, and post wrestling? Where, where was kind of your inroads and, and what brought you to all these different places to work? Oh, God. It starts and ends with, uh, I guess, really three people. First, uh, I had been a subscriber to the torch and the observer, uh, since I want to say grad school. And then uh, I would call in every now and again. Uh, <clears throat> and then I had been on with Travis Bryant on the East Coast cast as a guest, is just calling in. And one thing led to another. And his co host had uh, my buddy, actually, who I now do the everything mailbag over at the torch, uh, Josh Mustachio. His job switched up 
and then that of his main co-host switched up for the VIP side. That led to me kind of getting pulled in and doing some spot duty when I wasn't in football season and helping out there. Uh, Wade and then Bruce Mitchell, uh, senior columnist at the time, uh, had heard me. And so as they needed spot duty, I was like the Jay Leno before the Tonight Show official gig. Like I pop in, guest guy. And I I guess my biggest one was Bruce uh, in North Carolina had a, a thunderstorm. Power went out. And so I had to host the entire hour by myself. About 20 minutes in, I'm handling calls and doing the business. Wait, I didn't realize, I'm sure, uh, you know, everybody has this, like, especially if they own the company, had like an own, like an end man back door. And he just popped in. He's like, hey, Rich, just want to make sure you're doing well. Seems like everyone's doing it. Like, holy crap, what's going on? It's almost like when you're in a call center and like the manager clicks in and is like, yeah, 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 yeah. the last couple of calls. It's like, all right. So that kept going. And then, uh, you know, Bruce had me as an, uh, a guest host on Fridays when I wasn't in football season. Travis brought me in on Wednesdays. And then eventually, uh, after uh, I'd been doing that, I, I want to say three years, four years, uh, Wade brought me on to do columns and uh, do my own show, which was the deep dive uh, with Rich Fan. And uh, after Bruce departed, I then moved into doing more like everything with Rich and Wade, doing a, a more like a primary spot outside of my guest shows. and. That kind of went there. And then my third person would have been uh, my main man over at uh, Post, uh, John. It's actually three people. I got to cheat. John, Way, and WH. Right. But WH really has been the guy who's been advocating for me. Way's been great. John's been great in terms of letting me sneak in under the fence, so to speak, or around the door. Uh, but WH Park and I have been a great combination because we're like the uh, buddy cop movie I never thought I needed in my life. Mm-hmm. He is... Uh, uh, as he actually came over once and did a guest spot of when Wade was ill and our listeners sent feedback that it was like switching from Mr. Rogers to Sam Kennison in terms of <laughs> who the host was and the number of four letter words that came out of his mouth. Right. But that's WH and I love him. He, he completes me when it comes to podcasts. And so that's really where I started. Like a lot of pro wrestling for me has always been uh, growing up in New York and not having cable like WWE centric and then whatever I could get off of VHS tapes with WCW. When I got to college, I was in, uh, you know, I, I date myself. I mean, we're all older at this point, but I, I, I tell students now, cause I teach like as my day job partly. Um, and I'm, I show them like, here's this keychain. I spent two hours in a library learning how to use the internet. And this green sticker meant I could use it for 45 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And 43 of those 45 minutes were probably at Rec Sport Pro Wrestling. <laughs> and just typing furiously and trying to understand what message I missed. And what. Uh-huh. And so I, I didn't jump into like uh, any of the message boards after that. Because then with college, I kind of fell in and out of wrestling. But staying track of guys like Alan Cunahan uh, doing things like... Uh, either going to the local Indies when I went to college here in Pittsburgh after moving, you know, that kind of kept the fire going. And what I didn't realize was this was going to be the hotbed of early two thousands, mm-hmm. like CNC and punk wrestle uh, Eddie Guerrero when Eddie was fired or, you know, Sabu showing up and working with a guy here in Pittsburgh who him and his girlfriend were kind of like the quote unquote money marks that would pay for wrestlers uh, to come in and do autograph signings for the promoters. And so getting to see that side and that kind of awakened me to, as I said before, getting back into the torch and the observer to yep. kind of figure out what I've been missing. So yeah, 
that's my story. And as quick as my brain can allow me to do it. <laughs> I can, uh, I can share your, uh, your passion for VHS tapes and not having cable. I did not have cable when I was growing up. So it was the rabbit ears, you know, trying mm -hmm. to, trying to adjust them, maybe put some foil on them, depending on the weather. And, uh, yeah, going to VHS, uh, going to either convenience store or your local video store and just, just getting so excited to see what they had on the wall for wrestling stuff. And you're just like, that's new. That's new. That's new. And it's just like, how many can I get? And, and just watching them over and over and over again. And then I got along the way, I got a second VCR. So I would dub onto mm -hmm. tapes and I, I learned how that do ha that whole thing. And yeah, it was, um, our kids, I have a seven-year-old. I know you have a, yeah. What one kid, two kids, something. One, one yeah. One 11 year old. They will, they will never know our struggles with having to find information, having to go to a library, having to do, having to actually work for this stuff. It's like crazy. Yeah, he just pulls the phone out. It's like, hey, oh, I can see that. Or he'll go downstairs. I was just working out in my basement before I came up here. Uh, I have my double decker still down there because that was the one thing I used to dub. I'd buy the tapes yeah. and just pop it in, duplicate, hit the button, and I'm done. That was like my purchase, I think, with my uh, – <laughs> oh, Joe, don't hear this, Mr. Biden. That was like one of my student loan money like refund checks. Like, oh, oh let go. me buy a duplicator, and we can buy a <laughs> crap ton. Like, you buy – the Joshi, I'll buy the best of all Japan. Uh, you buy the best of uh, the five-star matches, 1990 to 1993. We'll copy them and then give them to each other. That's right. Oh, man. Resourcefulness that kids will never understand. They'll never <laughs> understand. But let's go to uh, let's go to October. And we're going to, we're going to, this is your first time guest. We're going to change things up a little bit. Because what I did this time is I actually pulled out a specific topic that included both WWE and AEW. And we'll talk about that first. Of course, October, we're reviewing this in our year review series. And we'll start with what was called the Tuesday Night War. And the Tuesday Night War, of course, is when NXT decided to go, well, I wouldn't say decided to go head-to-head, -head, but it happened to go head-to-head -head with AEW because AEW got preempted, did this whole title Tuesday thing. So NXT wasn't satisfied with just uh, putting on a regular show that night. They decided to go full bore into it. And what happened was... Uh, AEW loaded up on their side as much as they could. Um, and then WB didn't just load up. They really loaded up. And by that means John Cena, Paul Heyman, Cody Rhodes, Asuka, and then eventually The Undertaker was also on the show, uh, hinted at. So they didn't just go for it. They they really went for it. Uh, in the end, NXT, no big surprise, defeating Dynamite in the uh, Tuesday Night Rings War. Uh, afterward, Tony Khan taking a little bit of a shot at the ratings, saying it's the first time that John Cena and The Undertaker had been on a show and not got over a million viewers or something along those lines. Uh, kind of having some fun with it. Uh, afterwards, in the aftermath, Chris Jericho saying uh, our show is better than theirs. Uh, on the show, Cody Rhodes announcing a return of two NXT tournaments, of course, being the men's and women's Dusty Classic. Undertaker laid out Braun Breaker. And of course, leading into this, it was just like both were trying to one up each other, no matter what or whatever they could. Uh, the first 30 minutes of Dynamite Style Tuesday aired commercial free. They added a buy in title match to get people to lead in. Uh, the hours leading up, Tony Khan sent a, uh, a message to Triple H and Shawn Michaels, that message being a uh, screen grab, a bald asshole from um, Kirby Enthusiasm, one of the early episodes there. Um, I don't know what percentage of wrestling fans actually understood what that was about, but I certainly did. Uh, on title Tuesday, Hikaru Shida won the women's title and, uh, John Mox was unable to compete because he was still not medically cleared due to his concussion. I, you know, this whole thing around this, I, I mean, 
I thought it was, it's fun to have competition, right? It's fun to do these things, <laughs> but WWE loading up to that extent, right? Was like surprising to me in that they, they were going to win. You could have put John Cena on that show and probably edged him out. You could have done Cody Rhodes, like, but to bring out the undertaker of all people and really say, we're going to push everything into the middle and I mean, they beat NXT, but it, uh, sorry, they beat AEW, but it wasn't like a, a two to one margin or anything like that. It was, it was, um, I think people made a lot out to this, uh, a lot, it put a lot into it and made this out to be like, this is going to be the defining moment. And I don't know. I, uh, I thought there was a lot overblown about it. It was fun. But then uh, as always people on Twitter and so on, they just, they, they take this to like a whole new level and it's just like, Oh, this is why AEW is so bad. It's just, it, it kind of added to that whole tribal thing in a uh, kind of a negative way. What were, what were your thoughts about this, uh, this quote unquote Tuesday night war? I thought it was, it's the same as it was with any time they go at each other. You have about on any given day, 2 million, two and a half million people that want to watch pro wrestling. If they can get to it in a semi-legal fashion. And when you <laughs> split it amongst two shows, it's going to get whatever number it gets, especially when you have at that time baseball, you have all these other, um, uh, not football, but well, football that isn't professional. That no offense to my college brethren, etc. Uh, so I, I thought it was good, but the Undertaker that was the thing. I was like, wait, what? Like that dude's just doing spoken word shows. Why are you pulling him out for this? Like it, it wasn't just trying to shoot fish in a barrel, it was trying to tactically nuke a barrel of fish from space and then fire a rail gun at it. It was overkill <laughs> to the nth degree. And so I appreciate Tony doing the tweak because as he mentioned, you know, people would say, oh, you did all this and you couldn't eat a million. So he does it once and now everyone loses their mind. And uh, I think one of the things we'll talk about later, and I, I think it was also colored by his feelings toward the period of time where uh, his mom was ill and some of the moves WWE made. And so this is a lot more personal to him than it is to them. But as to answer your question, I think the reason they loaded up this way is uh, just like I mentioned, the, the WWE has realized that AEW is the xenomorph they should have killed like when they went on the planet and found the little eggs. And now it's a hundred of them. It's like you can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it and survive. And that sounds like hyperbole when you have a multi-billion dollar organization. But you have to realize you have uh, between Paul Levesque Vince McMahon at this point in October and Nick Khan three alpha dudes who don't like losing anything and so they wanted to make sure they won at any cost mm -hmm. and I think in, in many regards it, it made it seem like a little more desperate than it needed to be which you know kind of was yeah yeah I uh I have for the longest time I've not really thought that there's a war between these two I think there's um little conflicts but WWE has so much more money so they have the they have the um and you know this as a as a Marvel fan a pop culture fan they have the leverage of nostalgia they can go back mm -hmm. and pull these people out from the past and it makes people remember stuff from the 80s and 90s even some of the bad stuff but they're like I remember that AEW's you know they're not even five years in yet mm -hmm. they don't have that yet because they haven't been around long enough and sometimes it's unfair to them I think that um people try to compare them on some levels because AEW does not have some of those strings they can pull when they need it. They're not going to have that until assuming they make it 10 years, 15 years, those type of things. People are like, Oh, I remember that from like the early days or something like that. 
it's uh i i'm glad that they're around because it, it this is what made wwe better for a lot of people um they still have their problems it's not perfect for any means but I think it kind of ignited them in a way. And it's good because you have another place where people can get good money and go back and forth and wrestlers can get paid. They should be getting paid a lot more money. And it's crazy mm -hmm. that they, we, we talk about these. There's so much excitement. I see this on the UFC side all the time too. As people are so excited. Oh, new, you know, multi, a $1.5 billion deal for SmackDown or whatever, 1.4 or whatever it was. And like all this money, they're making all this money. They, they win. And meanwhile, it's like, not enough of that's going to the talent that's making it happen, you know? And it's, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where I think these things are, can be fun. This one, I think people just made way too much out of it. Like it was a, a stake in the ground moment and uh, just the overkill that they did. It's uh, it was quite something, but you know, we're going to see these things from time to time and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, with the landscape going into 24, 25 in particular, I'm interested to see, where each company's shows wind up because if they can avoid yeah. each other like you mentioned AEW's existence i meant i talk about this all the time over the torch the best thing that happened to wwe and they don't want to admit it is AEW because you lost the fans that didn't want to watch you and was hate and were hate watching because there was nothing else to watch and that's no offense to uh a uh it's no offense to uh impact slash tna that's no offense to New Japan strong, but there needed to be a stronger North American product. Yeah. You took that group out, so there isn't any more protest chants. There aren't any more folks who are just going because there's nothing else to do. And so you have really on fire people watching you. They have really on fire people watching them. And it's cool if you have the crossover people, which we clearly do. Like, that's the thing about all these ratings. Everyone's like, I'm an AEW head. I'm, a, I'm an AEW sexual. I'm a <laughs> I'm a Vincel. Like, all this stupid stuff. You're watching both. And then the folks who spend 12 minutes to write an essay on their emails, whether it's here or at the torch or even at uh, post, and they're like, you know, I was going to give them a chance, but they did this once like you weren't going to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. You're not, you, you never wanted to like, it's fine. If you don't want to watch, it's cool. I, I think just having the ability to have the option should just be fine. I mean, it's cool. You know, don't lose your mind especially on nights like this where oh my god they got blown out of the water cool is warner brothers digital still playing them discovery still giving them those checks great tony <laughs> gone broke in the last 10 minutes no okay they're fine mm -hmm. yeah uh let's go we'll uh, kick off with uh wb this month uh more in earnest so we had uh fast lane Took place from Indianapolis, just over 14,000 people in the house. Jade Cargill made her first official WWE appearance, and she uh, just appeared. I believe this was the the backstage out of the limousine. I'm trying, I'm confusing my first appearances here together. Didn't appear in front of the crowd or anything like that. Uh, later on in the month, uh, she filed to trademark her name. Smart move. Carlito made his return to the company. Pat McAfee made a surprise appearance. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso won the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. Of course, the company set new records as they always do in, in uh, revenue and so on and so forth because you know ticket price is going up and the company's super hot, so they're selling out. But yeah, the you know as we've kind of gone through all these months, you see the signature moments and signature things that happen. I don't didn't remember much out of this event. I mean, the tag team titles changed hands, but then they would change hands later on in the month as well. It was uh yeah, I mean it, it was fine, but it wasn't out of all the, the PLEs and all that throughout the year, this is kind of one that's like, okay, it happened. I mean, Jay Cargo is probably the most notable thing. She didn't appear in front of the live crowd. 
Yeah. Uh, McAfee. That was interesting because it seemed like uh, Michael Cole was legit surprised by it because when he popped up, he the, the emotion. No, no offense to Michael, but he's not that good an actor. Uh, Cody and Jay, I think it was more reminiscent of uh, or more remembered to me, at least for their post show conference where they were clearly oh, yes. enjoying themselves. <laughs> and and my personal, fun, I don't know about you, Jeff. My personal thing for Cody is I want him in every one of the WWE sponsored matches because when he goes back there for those press conferences and he has to suck down, he like eight gram or 80 grams of sugar Mountain Dew mm-hmm. or the Slim Jim when he tried to oil. open up the thing. Like, yeah. Delicious. <laughs> and he's just absolutely like, I was like, this man would eat broken glass if it means he's <laughs> going to be the top guy. He will just suck it up. He's like, come on, Cody, you can do this. And I, I just love it. And like you said, Jade, um, she had the ESPN article. She had something from Variety. They gave her the the the, the red carpet like appearance in terms of like announcing her to the world. And then didn't show up there. It was just kind of like, yeah, she's here. Yeah. So I thought I thought it was, you know, like you said, fascinating. It was a show that happened. Yeah. Seth Rollins defeating uh, Nakamura to defend the uh, world title in a um, last man standing match. John Cena and LA Knight teaming up against the Bloodline. Yeah, but yeah, no Roman Reigns. It was a five match show. So yeah, kind of a short show and kind of a you know show. It it came and it went. Another big news coming at the month was that uh, the news that Triple H was making uh, now making all the key decisions in WWE creative right now. And that uh, Ari Emanuel was behind that recent change. And this is a, uh, this was interesting for a lot of reasons. We'd learned more about this through the year w- went on. I mean, that he was making, he took over the whole Vince scandal. He leaves triple H in charge and things get better. All these people come back the the Thanos uh, meme with all the different names, you know, the faces and all that stuff. Right. And the, so Triple H, he, he came back and then Vince came back and it was like womp womp. You know, it's like, okay, we had this kind of this interesting run and now it's going to go back. You start seeing some changes. And then this this was so surprising because if you watched a lot of the stuff after the the sale was announced or the merger, Nari Emanuel and Vince are there. Vince with a strange mustache and, and all this stuff. It was like the way that Ari was talking is like there's Vince is here forever. There's no, he's not going anywhere. Like this is, he, he's going to be here till the day he dies and they're going to you know, wheel him out. And then for this to happen is, I think it's underplayed how big of a story this is. Vince McMahon, not in charge of creative, this company that he's so synonymous with for decades and decades. We we're talking about nostalgia earlier. And just like that, he's just kind of like, you know, he's still the TKO executive chairman and cashed out, you know, a ton of stock and still has a ton of stock left. And, and uh, you know, the fruits of all that labor through all the years but the fact that his son-in-law is like, you know, you're the man now. And that Ari Emanuel, the guy that that said that Vince had to be part of this whole thing, is like, nope, this is my guy now. This is like, I'm so fascinated by how this went down, how in, on board Vince was was with it. Is it, Are we going to have a day where Vince is like, I'm going to step down as executive chairman and be done? And that's going to be official? Like, is this driving him crazy? I'm so fascinated by this. But this was a, a big thing. And uh I think that made a lot of people kind of feel good that he was the man again and Vince was uh, Vince was out. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier when it came to the negotiations, and I'm curious by his absence was our angle. Between him and Nick Khan, you have two of the bigger, more powerful agents in the history of television entertainment negotiations. Yeah. And so having them on a super team and having them decide and having Ari in particular decide as the new, you know, head of the head of the table, so to speak, that 
Levesque was going to be that guy. That was big for him. And that was, you know, like you said, when you had everyone get back together and right when he thought he had control, Vince came on back and he's making little changes here and a little thing there and a storyline all of a sudden doesn't make sense anymore. It's kind of like he work in a factory and all of a sudden someone starts putting like little pieces of paper between the gears and things <laughs> get, start getting jacked up. I, I think it made sense. And in hindsight, I, I was like you convinced that he was under this Bengali like influence of Vince McMahon. But then once you had the uh, earnings call after this announcement, where he mentions that the money that they had to lose and some of the stock price dropping was because of the cost of having Vince McMahon existing. That was crazy. And they right? had, yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, I was like, all right, two plus two can equal four sometimes. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Vince, to his credit, cashed out when he did is now on, you know, not just on paper, but like a money in hand, Scrooge McDuck billionaire, big B. And he could still stay around while everyone else had to hold on to that money because of the rules of the murder. So he's like, Hey, all right, if I'm not doing creative, I'm at least going to get a couple of hundred million dollars. I always think of the meme of, uh, Denzel Washington before he thought he was going to win for training day when he was in the green room and he was talking to Jamie Foxx about how, uh, he was ready to steal some of the like snacks and things. He's like, Hey, I'm leaving with something. I'm from old school. I might not be getting an Oscar. I'm leaving. Like Vince is like, I'm leaving with something. And he's cashing in some of those uh, certified stocks and he's getting that money. Yeah. It's crazy. I wonder what, like when this happened, we were kind of talking one of our our Slack chats about this was what, what's he, what's Vince going to do with it? Like, he's not going to restart a football league. Like he's just going to just take it and set it aside. Like, you know, give some of the, it's it's such a weird thing. It's not, he's not, you think when you take out all that money, it's, uh, it's for something or else you're kind of like, this isn't going to work, you know, but it's, it's, it's a, what is, what a strange year for Vince McMahon. And I say at the past <laughs> couple of years, you know, crazy, right? Yeah. I think he's just going to buy another dinosaur head. He could be just like, <laughs> just a whole just multiple dinosaurs going to reenact Jurassic park, something like that. Yeah. The real life. Thing. He's like, I got an Island. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, and I include this in here cause it would lead to bigger stuff. And uh, we'll talk about in the November episode, which was there rumors first started that CM Punk was officially in talks for his return to WWE. However, later in the month, it came out that WWE decided against hiring CM Punk. And CM Punk was asked if he'll be at WWE Survivor Series. He said, I think it's sold out. Of course, spoiler alert, he did appear at Survivor Series. He is with the company. I know we had to tell people. But uh, I include this in here because I, I want to say this for the next month's episode. I'm going to say it now. I... I love the fact that nobody had this story that he was going to go to WWE. Mm-hmm. I'm fine that Dave didn't have it. I'm fine that Sean didn't have it. I'm fine that Wade didn't. I'm fine that nobody had it and that we were surprised because that's a big part of being a wrestling fan is being surprised. And we don't get that enough. And I understand why we don't because wrestlers like to talk and people like to talk and there's certain things, right? This was one of those legitimate, like, holy shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he's at, this is actually real. And I thought his music hit. And I'm like, even when his music hit, I was like, no, I'm like, no, well, like this is some sort of like thing. And it's just like, no kidding. He is, he's here. And so this was kind of the re- lead up to this. And again, depending on, on what stories you believe from who and how this came to be, at least in October, the story is that, and, and from what Paul Levesque said, and, and who knows when they started talking that, uh, there, there was not in the, not in the cards. I don't know. You know, someday we'll ever find out if, yeah, they called him right after he got fired and then they said, let's talk. But, um, 
the story was at this point, they had no interest in a lot of changes in a month. So I don't know, never, never believe what you hear. I, I don't know what the, what the, uh, what the, uh, you know, what we're supposed to learn from this, but I, I just included this in it because I thought it was kind of interesting leading into what would happen just a few weeks later. Yeah, it's crazy. And to your point on punk, he's one of the best people for stuff like this, because when he wants something to stay in house, it stays. Mm. Don't mind me. I'm trying to troubleshoot my son getting onto Xfinity. <laughs> the joys of parenting <laughs> with technology. It's like the password's not working. What? Fix it. You're fine. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I look at Punk and I look at all of the stuff that went down. Like you said, no one had the story. It's interesting to me, especially in October, thinking back to how sure every it was was the opposite everyone was so sure that no punk not happening don't even you're an idiot if you think this guy's showing up in survivor series you probably think there was a third ultimate warrior you goof (laughs) and then it shows up and it's like oh well there were whispers yeah yeah Yeah. it was uh it was a moment yeah we'll talk more about that in november but yeah punk as always was uh was staying in the news one of the top news stories of the year by far let's uh let's go over this first chunk of stuff I, we have a lot of wb stuff i'll split this into two cats two sections and i'll kick it over to you after this first one uh becky lynch not medically clear for raw and her title match was postponed uh diy's johnny gargano and tomaso champa reunited on an episode of raw john cena said the rocks wb smackdown return it was nice to see a friend john cena said also said that the sag after strike would uh, once it would end, it would call him away from WWE. So no big surprise there. The clock was ticking. Company's uh, EVP of Human Resources departed the company in November. A uh, long time, or was set to depart the company in November, rather. Longtime employee uh, Rich Herring uh, also retired from the company as the post-TKO merger changes continued. Crown Jewel for November started taking shape. We learned that Roman Reigns versus John Cena was not planned, but Roman Reigns versus LA Knight was made official. Rey Mysterio versus Logan Paul, World Heavyweight title match, Fatal 5-Way wins World title match. Bianca Belair's return was set for the show Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. And John Cena, the aforementioned John Cena, set to face Solo Sokoa at the Saudi Arabia show. Dragon Lee officially listed as a member of the SmackDown roster. The aforementioned Ari Emanuel said there's plenty of interest in Raw TV rights. W's racial discrimination lawsuit against them was resolved amicably. The uh, writer who claimed that there was um, uh, basically that some of the scripts and, and so on and so forth were were offensive and kind of went into that. That uh, was resolved amicably. We still don't know what that means. Nick Aldis debuted as the SmackDown general manager. The company reportedly was planning to have Randy Orton return by Survivor Series, which did not happen because he actually returned at Survivor Series. Kevin Owens was traded to SmackDown to complete the Jay Uso move the month before. And then Logan Paul defeated Dylan Dennis in a quote-unquote boxing match and then called out Rey Mysterio for the WWE U.S. title match that happened or was set to take place at Crown Jewel. Thoughts about any of that? Well, I think with Becky, much like with, uh, you know, I, I know we're just talking about WWE right now. Uh, her and Seth, Seth were like neck and neck for your body's worth more than the time you're giving them all stars in terms of like Becky's career sets career, like Becky early on in her career didn't have that issue. Seth did. Now she's having it. Like at some point, don't fight through the injury. Don't you have a kid like you're the man literally chill. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed seeing DIY and as a group, and even you know, persisting to this day. Uh, Cena and The Rock are really interested in me because it goes to what you're saying before about Emmanuel and uh, what I was talking about in addition about Nick uh, Khan. With the SAG after strike, you had all these wrestlers that could kind of come back and do that stuff. But one of the side effects is, much like you mentioned with the UFC fighters, it's a reflection of all this money coming into an industry at the expense of the people that are generating the income. And so Cena doing the dual role of, I'm a guy who makes a crap ton of money in this industry, and I'm going to vacation there because the place where I make a lot (laughs) money now is currently paused until I get fairly paid more. Like he's kind of living the life of both sides of it, where it's like, I'm not the guy underpaid. If anything, now I'm getting paid as like the guest guy I used to make fun of. And it it was very interesting to see how that played out. Uh, the, the retirements and the departures, I figured that was going to be a uh, bloodletting that, you know, again, that guy's a shark between Khan and Emmanuel. These are not people who are going to take time to give you the birthday card or the card after 20 years of service. They're going to give you the gold watch as they're throwing it in the box and kicking you out the door. Yeah. Add Mark Shapiro to that mix too. After that, uh, that interview he did about talking about the production people and all that. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, (laughs) yeah. I I would be very careful around that guy for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, let's go into the second chunk and I'll kick you over you if any of these things stick out. Uh, Kofi Kingston opened a library and computer center in Ghana. Michael Cole missed the WB Raw season premiere. And what was a planned move? The undisputed tag team titles changed hands again on Raw as Finn Balor and Damian Priest regained the tag team titles. Shane McMahon making phenomenal progress as recovery from that torn quad in the most, I, I, I say funny, that was just the most ridiculous thing in WrestleMania. We talked about that during the uh, the April episode, the uh, the Shane McMahon injury during the match. Snoop Dogg uh, having to come. I mean, at, if you had that in your bingo card of the year at, at the start of the year, saying that Snoop Dogg was going to help save a WWE segment from going completely off the rails in front of eighty thousand people, your biggest stage of the year. Uh, you know, good for you, uh, Declan McMahon. Uh, Shane Sunset a potential WWE career. I'm never ruling it out. I I just have this feeling it's going to happen and it's going to be terrible. And I just, I don't know. I, I have this, I I don't know why I picture him and I picture um, Parker Boudreaux. I don't know why. There's no, but it's just like this, like, I want to say entitlement, but just like giving it, I think he's going to get a shot and I just think it's going to just going to be awful. And I don't know why I, Parker Boudreaux comes to mind with him. They don't look anything alike. I just, for some reason, it's like just trapped in my head. Um, Vince McMahon has no say in the final cut of his upcoming Netflix documentary. Uh, And then Bill Simmons gave an update in the Netflix documentary. Originally thought it was going to be one-off, then a series, and a one-off. It's actually going to be a series, it sounds like. And it's going to come out in early part of 2024. Uh, According to Bill Simmons, the update in the rock status for WrestleMania 40. Big surprise, Rich. Doubtful. Nia Jackson, online criticism really messed her up. Bianca Belair returned the company on SmackDown after taking a hiatus. Undertaker said he was going to... Undertaker, what a strange post-retirement career. Uh, launching the Six Feet Under Patreon. Who knows the Undertaker needed a podcast. Gunter reached 500 days as WWE Intercontinental Champion. The company announced Bash in Berlin, PLE, for August 2024. It was revealed that the company received half a million dollars from a local Florida tourism board to host the January Royal Rumble. 
company heavily discussed Paris for Backlash 2024. That would indeed happen. Cleveland, a front runner to host SummerSlam next year. That'd be a little bit of a surprise. Roman Reigns, not scheduled for Survivor Series. The company released their long-awaited Superfan, the story of Vladimir documentary on uh, the WB Network and Peacock. And then the Creed brothers were planned for their main roster call-up. Thoughts about any of that? Well, first, Declan. I got to start with Deck. Deck, yes. Decky Mac. Decky Mac. Uh, I think you, you mentioned Boudreaux. I think of right off the bat. <clears throat> uh, George Goulas. Okay. And the reason I say that is uh, one of the fun things about that. Do you remember the story about Goulas? I don't. Okay. So he had a tag team with uh, Kojo Yamamoto. And so his his dad was Nick Goulas, like famous wrestler 76. Nick Goulas. Okay. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. George is in this tag match, and in the middle of the tag match, Harley Race. You saw his poster. This is yes. why it's near and dear to my heart. You saw his poster. He's giving him the weakest chops and punches, and then he leans in to Harley freaking Race. Daddy says sell. <laughs> and that's what I feel like Declan would be doing to somebody in the middle of the ring, oh and we'd God. hear it in like 8K and see it in like <laughs> 9K or whatever it's going to be in, the, in like 10, 15 years. Yeah. Wow. George Goo, that's a great story. <laughs> Daddy yeah, says it, to saying to Harley Race. Imagine that. Yeah. Daddy says sell. Mm. And it, it and you know, uh, you know, of course, Harley then of course didn't sell, sold less than he wasn't selling before, and like potatoed him a couple of times because that's Harley Race. He he the, the, he he does what he does. Uh but then uh what what I've from everything else you mentioned, I think. Uh, man, like in the grand scheme of things, October had so much going on, but really, it was like the cut of the documentary. He says he doesn't have access to it, right? But Josh, when you have a super fan, not not of course Vladimir, like Bill Simmons as the person making the documentary. I don't know if you've ever seen one of my favorite things I like to tie into pro wrestling is other movies or other medium. Big fan starring mm-hmm. Patton Oswalt. Yes. Where he was a Giants fan and he gets beat. For those of you who don't know, in that movie, I don't want to spoil the ending. He gets beat. Patton Oswalt is like the world's biggest Giants fan. He calls into all the shows. Like he's in. He goes out one night, goes to a party in a bathroom, gets beaten to near death by a Giants player. And instead of like pressing charges and letting that player go out in the playoffs, he makes up this cockamamie story and becomes a hero, all this other stuff. That is how I see Bill Simmons as he's telling a story about Vince McMahon. There will not be anything that is in any way on Netflix insulting to him or his legacy. And so you don't need to say, don't put that in, because Bill Simmons wouldn't put that in. If you wanted to see Bill Simmons denigrate the Red Sox, the Patriots, or Vince McMahon, you're not going to see it. <laughs> Very good. I, I should tell you, uh, congratulations for the Chiefs yesterday picking up the uh, the big victory the shirt i have underneath this is a patriot shirt i decided to cover it up yeah. as respect for that even though the the chiefs uh had their way so uh yeah we had our way for two decades uh, i don't need to you know talk about it now. i mean i don't know about had their way i mean <laughs> one thing about bill belichick i i will always respect is that dude is 
a sociopath when it comes to football. Like he remembers more. Like I remember watching a press conference he did a couple of weeks, maybe months ago, where he's usually I know it's like yes, no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He spent twenty minutes talking about the history of special teams, yeah, and how innovations have happened and how he came up with the idea. Like I, I, I coach in high school football. I like stood up and applauded like a seal when he came up with the sprinting field goal block by having the guy oh, yeah, take yeah, that yeah. angle because yep. it was nearly impossible to block it. And I'm like, this is Bill Bell. Like he's just awesome. Like, sure. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to record people. Maybe the balls don't need to be as deflated, whatever. Well, this, when it comes to those things, this is getting out of control, Rich. Unbelievable. Ah! This connection may drop out pretty soon. I don't know. It's pretty windy outside. <laughs> well, see, oh, and I forgot. I forgive me. Uh, one of the things I mentioned and forgot to mention on the torch, Radican Worldwide. I co-host with Sean Radican. He's kind of like in your neck of the woods, also a Patriots fan. Out of okay. respect, I said nothing to him yesterday. Just to not like, I didn't want to antagonize. But we're, yeah. used, we're used to it this year. We're used to it. We, we were getting our comeuppance after decades of uh, of dominance. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Listen, everybody gets theirs. Like, like I, I live here in Pittsburgh. You know, one of the reasons I'm, uh, you know, I hadn't adopted the Steelers as a team upon marriage to a Steelers fan was I remember being in college here at Pitt and like people not even knowing what team I followed. And they're just like, yeah, hey, they're not the Steelers, though. We're getting one for the thumb. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Can you say hello first? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you win in the 70s? I was like, were you alive in the 70s? Like, what are we doing? So, yeah, like I said, everyone has their age. It goes up, it goes down. Very few teams, though, will have, you know, I got to show respect to the pa- Patriots in that regard. Like, y'all had 20 years where there might have been, like, a quote-unquote down period, but you're still in the playoffs every year. You're yeah. still, like, maybe you stumble against the Ravens randomly or the Titans or someone of the Colts, God forbid. But for the most part, it was just like, you know, the the, the Breaking Bad meme of how did they, they can't keep getting away with it. It's like, and then, yeah. of course, the year you get Randy Moss. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, Randy's washed up on the Raiders. I was like, please don't trade him. Why are you, why are you guys? Like, uh, I, I always like the analogy they make over on the athletic NFL podcast of like, sometimes you're in a movie and it's like, don't give the knife guy a knife. And then you see what happens when it happens. Like they gave the knife guy a friggin' katana and he <laughs> threw for 50 touchdowns and nearly had a perfect season. And I'm like, what, what, why, why was that a good idea? People, right. but I digress. I will tell you one quick Steelers question. I promise listeners will get to yeah, NXT. Um, so I, I have a, a college friend of mine that I went to Maine with um, huge Steelers fan. And for the first time he went to, uh, he went to, is it still Heinz field? Uh, no, now it's Accra shore stadium sure. because of course you love, you, you love, you love a good insurance company. I th- well, I thought it was because of Bain because Bain ruined the stadium. Oh, right? Well, I mean, we don't talk about that here anymore. <laughs> like after the incident, <laughs> the incident. So he, uh, so he went down to the stadium. So his first ever Steelers game, he's, he's a little younger than I am. And, uh, his first game and, he has been dealing with Patriots fans his entire life. And he went down that Thursday night game <laughs> and the Steelers lost to the Patriots, oh. the Patriots third win of the year. He's around always be finally. He's like, I'm fine with my people. He can wear Steelers stuff. Half like walking around Pittsburgh. He's like, he feels free. And then the Patriots won. It's yeah, just like, was... it's just, it's just can't make that stuff up. Again, Belichick. He is a guy where if you give him enough time, 
It's like that Batman versus whoever argument. If you give Batman enough prep time, he's going to figure out whoever's like that. That's Belichick when it comes to defense on offense. God bless. Again, yeah. we just talked about Declan McMahon. Yeah. I, every time they cut to seeing Steve Belichick, I was like, you're the, you're the brother that was smoking weed and he trusts you with his blitz schemes. Yep. <laughs> like what is going on here? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so Good let's, old Steve. Let's flip to uh, NXT. Who knows? Steve Belichick could end up in NXT some days. That'd be uh, that'd be quite, quite Steve and Declan. Oh, oh the New man. England Smashing Machine. Let's oh, go. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, so NXT will run through the month. Lyra Valkyria uh, defeated Becky Lynch to win the NXT Women's Title at Halloween Havoc. I believe it was night one. Uh, no Mercy. Trick Williams winning the North American Title. Ilya Dragunov winning the NXT Title. And then Becky Lynch suffering an arm laceration at that event. The company reeled the bracket for the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. Dominic Mysterio regained the North American title during the month. Lexus King, a.k.a. Brian Pillman Jr., made his in-ring debut at an NXT house show and his vignettes would start to air. Jakar Jackson was out of the breakout tournament due to an injury. And Chase U won the NXT Tag Team titles at uh, Halloween Havoc Night 1. So, yeah, a lot of title changes there. And... The Becky Lynch era ended. Uh, the Dragnoff era began, began, and then Trick Williams had a short run with um, the North American title, but it began. And uh, I think a lot of people agree, big things ahead for Trick Williams in 2024. Yeah, whoop that trick. I mean, <laughs> that is going to be the quote of 2024. And uh, much like the uh, you know guys like Joel Embiid getting fined for doing the DX scratch chop, there are going to be people who completely without context do not realize that whoop that trick necessarily isn't the best thing uh-huh. to be shouting at people or amongst mixed company. That is one of those best, uh, Bomani Jones calls it two America's moments. Uh, that'd be a great two America's moment when someone's screaming. It's like, well, what's a trick? It's like, well, trick Williams. It's, it's a rep. Mm-hmm. Might want to look <laughs> that up in urban dictionary, buddy. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, so good. So good. Ilya. I love him. I did not think, that he in the United States would take on as he had. I loved him in progress. I watched him in uh, the United Kingdom and Europe, like WFW, et cetera. Great dude. Him becoming this, uh, you know, tiny version of Walter, uh, sorry, Gunther, mm. in NXT has been very fun to see. Uh, like you said with Becky, her jaunt into NXT, if anything, of all the stuff we mentioned earlier during that Super Tuesday, that was the most, quote-unquote, genuine because she had already been integrated into the storylines she had felt a part of it and uh, one of the things i had appreciated with levesque taking over was the people who do move in and out of nxt seems like it and in and out and not a down or up which is mm-hmm. something that's very hard to do considering the rest of nxt isn't to that takeover level anymore it is very much a true developmental where you have some people kind of sprout and maybe you move them up in time but it isn't something where you have those crop of folks like you did with sammy and company back in the day uh dominic is just i think for him the story of 2023 and even and particularly october is an illustration of how much trust they put him in or put into him gone from being the guy that was just raised kid to you know spoilers being a guy that when it comes to his uh you know dave and brian mentioned you know you have tv people trying to figure out if they want wwe and you're doing a house show in california and CM Punk's wrestling Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. That is, to me, like the highest level of trust. Like, that blows my I was like, Dominic, like, dude, I want to hug. I don't know you, but I'm like, how have you done this? Like, you have, and this this run started it. And Lexus King on the other side, as another kind of like 
not Nepo baby, but like second generation. And that's another one. Nepo baby is like a gen- this generation's term of what we call second generation superstar. Yeah. I like it because it's like, yeah, kind of what it is. And in the case of him changing his name to Lexus King, I, I like him as kind of a Riddler slash wild card type guy in NXT. I just hope the wrestling kind of can match what he's doing as a character and chase you. They've always had a place in my heart. I love chase you. I think the bleeps I I'm, I'm a child. I am a man child. I fully admit <laughs> that at 42, like nothing cracks me up more than a wrestling show. Like it's the opposite, like on AEW when they start cussing and they just go with it. It's fine. But Chase you having such a like pristine antiseptic background, and then all of a sudden Chase would say something and they just bleep him. <laughs> it, it 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 breaks. It, make, it reminds me of my childhood watching like a good like sketch with their like they can't say that on TV. Yeah, yeah. Where you know like now everyone says everything. <laughs> uh, let's flip to AEW slash ROH, and a big month for AEW in that they had inside. A former WWE superstar, a future Hall of Famer. And that being Adam Copeland, aka Edge, made his AEW debut at Russell's Dream in Seattle, Washington. We kind of had a, a notion this was going to happen because when Darby Allen said that his match with Christian Cage is going to go on as a main event, it's like, huh, why? And this is why. So yeah, Adam Copeland made his debut at the uh during the at the end of the uh, Christian and Darby Allen match. His old his his WB theme song, so um, they were able to do that. Other than Beth Phoenix voices the uh, now voice the uh, you think you know me at the open. We learned about that after, but he came out. People went crazy uh, afterwards, saying he felt free during his debut and that he was joining the full time roster. He's not going to be a a guy that was just going to be in the in action and out of action, you know, uh, like a Sting or something like that full time. He said, and this is a quote that really stuck with me a lot this year. WB and I have just outgrown each other. And to me, it stuck out because I think so many times when people flip, change groups or, or whatever, and even, you know, most of this, when people leave WWE, you don't, uh, you don't have, it, it's okay. And it's not a, a thing of like, I hate WB and I'm going to leave. It's just a case of, well, it, I've been here 25 years and it's just time to go. And it's time to do something new creatively. I don't have, yeah, I think he's 50. And he's at some point, even though he looks great, it's like your body is just going to, it's just going to run out. And he wants to be able to have fun and do some different things in an environment that's a little bit more uh, creatively freedom, uh, a little more freeing, freeing creatively, put it that way. And uh, he found it and that's good for him. I expect to end his full-time career with AEW. I don't think that's a big surprise. Filed several trademarks as most of the wrestlers are doing now. Uh, I mentioned Beth Phoenix voice to the open of uh uh, the theme music now, Josh Barnett made his debut at the Zero Hour, and then uh, Tony Khan confirmed that Russell Dream will return in uh, 2024. So yeah, this was a, and the Young Bucks also, I left this out, the Young Bucks earned a, a future AEW tag team title shot, which eventually they lose in, in this kind of weird 2023 that is the Young Bucks year. Uh, I don't understand it, but you know who knows. But yeah, I mean, this was really the, the key takeaway for me from Russell Dream, other than... Um, uh, Swerve Strickland defeating Hangman Page was Adam Copeland, now part of AEW. They got another big guy. And, you know, in terms of could he replace CM Punk, you know, in ring? I think yes. But in terms of kind of the star power, no. But also, you know, I think he's just kind of trying to do his own thing. And he's really involved in the Christian stuff. I'm I'm really curious once this passes, what is his second 
story. You know, who else is he going to kind of mix it up with and what's his next big storyline? But, you know, it seems like, you know, so far so good for, uh, for Adam Copeland. Yeah, I agree. Looking back, his debut between the ball, not necessarily being dropped, but I think that was something in WWE's uh, backyard that in the future they're going to have to be very careful with letting all of those copyrights lapse. Mm. And that, I mean, they're like, oh, wait, rated our superstar? Maybe we should have. Ah, it's fine. We'll get to it. And, you know, I get it. Pandemic happened. We forget stuff. Life happens. Uh, but him being so forthright and having, like you said, 20 plus years there. And uh, I mentioned a lot at the time when he was doing his interviews. Uh, I think it was undersold, not just the opportunity to go to AEW, but the opportunity to work again with someone like Christian, as well as Jim Ross. Uh, Jim Ross has a role in Adam and uh, Christian's career that a lot of people kind of overlook in terms of the way that he paid for their, like he mentions that every single time he paid for their school at a time where they were just regular dudes that he believed in. He's like, don't worry about your college loan bills. Go out there and wrestle. Come back when you're ready. And I think that sort of thing, JR always thought himself as a, a, a like a, a football coach or a general manager when he was in that role, talent relations for Vince. And I think even though he's not in that role in AEW, having enough people, it makes like that critical mass. Like when I jumped and I left to a new job, having people I know and trust as I made a jump, similar to this, not nearly as much money though, because, you know, go off king uh, <laughs> I, I i thought that was great i didn't realize beth phoenix was the person so i really appreciated that little addition that's that makes it even more fun you think no. uh josh barnett wrestle dream i think the tribute to anoki the timing with new japan show which I'm, we might get into when we do the new japan portion that was a little curious to me because they had already had a show that was going on so how are you going to kind of like honor anoki with some of anoki's progenitors like not there but yeah it is what it is and yeah, that, that's it for me in this sense. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The yeah. Bucks. I would be remiss if I don't mention the Bucks. It has been a personal treat since their return from the brawl out, the first brawl out, that they typically lose in a pay-per-view match and then don't have to show up as a winner during the post-show media Q&A. It's like... If I if I, I'm not a betting person, my buddy Dan Keister over at the torch will tell you that, but I would bet my house every pay-per-view that they're gonna lose <laughs> because they not want to be in there and have questions at. So it's like, oh, we lost. Oh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. You know, we, we are in the future tag title shot, but we got hurt. So we, now we're going right to the hospital because we're hurt. And it's like, okay, guys. All right. So other matches uh, on the show, I, I should have uh, included here. Brian Danielson to being a Sack Saber Jr. Uh, that was a, a really good match. I enjoyed that a lot more than the Okada match. I, I, Zack Saber Jr. is so so unique and so good. I just like I love him so much. And Danielson, you know, I can't say enough good things about him. But you know, this was a, a dream match, and I, I definitely think it paid off. And and uh, I expect to see these guys hook it up for sure again. As I mentioned, Swerve Strickland. Uh, pick and win over Hangman Page. It would lead to uh, bigger things down the road. I, I like many think it's time to to really strap the rocket to Swerve. I think he's just, I think he's next, and that's crazy. They're just. I thought he should have beat uh, Moxley last week. I, I think he should be the Triple Crown champion. If they're going to make something out, I think it should be his. I think they're going to try to do something with Hangman Page, but I, I think he's just he's so clearly like the guy, you know, like the next up and needs to be kind of up in that mix. 
I hope they give him a shot. I really do. Um, again, Mitch of the Young Bucks. Uh, MJF, I'll close Wrestle Dream with this. So MJF uh, did not defend the AEW world title on this show and instead defended the Ring of Honor tag team titles in a handicap match against uh, the Righteous. And I, I think, like many, I was not a fan of this MJF stretch. I don't love, I think if you have your world champion, I, I am of the opinion and the wrestling industry doesn't seem to agree now, but your world champion is like your biggest guy, your biggest star, your men's world champion, women's world champion in terms of like, if someone's coming into an organization, you kind of try to play the sports aspect of it. You're trying to be the champion. That's why you're there. You're not there to float, right? right. In a tag team, anything like that. But for some, you know, with Roman Reigns being gone for so long, um, and then with, you know, MJF defending these, these titles, these t ROH tag team titles, and not defending the world title. I just, I don't like it. You know, I, I, it's, I just, mm -hmm. I just don't like it. I think if you have your, one of your top stars, it just kind of brings them down. And this isn't just saying anything about the righteous. I didn't like the other stuff, uh, the other title offenses as well. I don't like the fact he's defending them twice on show. It's just, a, I think your, your world champion is like, should be kind of as much as you can rarefied air. And when he competes, um, it should mean something. And I don't think this meant anything. And it's it opened up the pay-per-view. And then that was it. And I understand the bigger things to get to, but I think I don't know. I just don't love how they don't protect their champion and make it the biggest thing um in this. What uh any other thoughts about wrestling and that stuff that I just mentioned there? Oh, I think particularly what you're mentioning. When Tony mentions in the same breath that Ring of Honor isn't particularly a product adjacent to AEW, it's its own thing. And is kind of in its own world and then your champion is the guy defending it's it's frustrating it's absolutely frustrating and i agree with you 100 i also think to your point about swerve he has been like brian i'm 100 with brian on the idea of his fog of war match in uh lucha underground was something i would point to people all the time is like if you want to see like a hard like you want to see true brutality watch this freaking match <laughs> and he's he, you know, I, I always talk about he does the technical stuff pretty. He does the pretty stuff rough. He does the rough stuff beautifully. Like he is the perfect, like him and John John Moxley. That was a match where I thought it could be redone in the, the gold final if they wanted to. But I feel like that's not the direction they're going. I feel like they wanted to be either Mox versus Kingston or something like that with some shenanigans. And part of me, Josh, when I saw the Triple Crown, I was afraid that they were going to give him the title and turn it almost into the male version of Jade's PBS title, where he sure. has his own swerve verse, and then you have MJF feuding with every other literal male on the roster. And then every now and again, someone's like, ah, maybe I'll go for the Triple Crown. And so that, I'm, I'm, I'm a Fumange, right? Because I'm, we've yet to see Tony allow guys to move from title to title Right. In a way where it seems like there's either a striation or a delineation of what is important, what isn't, or as they move up in importance, or is AEW like the AEW world champion just for funsies threw its belt into the ring for this tournament? Uh, my big question for this is if they're having this every year, does this mean it's almost like the, the old school uh, Jake Crown where you have yeah, to yeah. throw your belt in? Is there an option where you can go full? Like I, I mentioned, a weight over at the torch. Are they going to allow this to be? I want them to steal. If you're going to steal, steal from the best, and also Dixie Carter. Uh, <laughs> I want them to have an option C, 
where it's like, okay, once a year, I can hand the triple crown in and I get one shot at the AEW world champ at a place of my choosing. Yeah. And go for it. And I think that would be awesome because then that would allow Swerve to both defend and then also, unlike Joe, it's not a forfeit as much as a trade-in. Joe yeah. didn't need to forfeit the Ring of Honor TV title. He could have kept defending it, and then maybe he slips in a banana peel, and you, you're going to give it to Kyle Fletcher anyway. Okay, cool. You built two guys, one move. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% on that stuff. I, I, I feel like, especially in wrestling now, if you're going to go with a sports look, like in the background I have on uh, split-screen Raw and the, the, the Seahawks-Eagles game, you don't try to win the AFC championship and then call it a day mm-hmm. most of the time. Right. Apologies to fans listen. <laughs> uh, but if you win a Super Bowl, you're not going to go back and be like, you know, that was great, but I want a Pro Bowl. It's what you say. That's what they're doing now. Like, either you want the AEW title or you want the Triple Crown. Like, as an All Japan and New Japan fan, I'm like, what? Why is a New Japan title in an All Japan themed title environment? Like my head hurts. My nose is bleeding. None <laughs> of this makes sense. I agree. I agree. And then uh, the other big news in AEW during the month was uh, Sting announcing finally his retirement was impending coming up at Revolution. We did not know it was going to be in March, but we kind of knew it was going to be in March. And Tony Khan had a special announcement during the month. I think, I don't know what class of announcement this was, but he. Uh, it was a had, gift. It was a, a special gift. gift. A gift for Sting because you like your people to other people. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, and so I thought this. I thought leading this, this is he was going to be getting a world title match at Revolution. Like that was his gift. Like, you know, uh, you're going to be granted shit. this or something like that, right? No, it was instead Ric Flair making his surprise AEW debut, and came out and and uh, did his thing and garbled through a, a really not great promo. He mentioned something about being around until March and. However, he signed for a multi-year deal. We learned that, according to Tony, that AW is not paying him anything. It's actually Woo Energy as part of the sponsorship. They got mushrooms, deal. Josh. That's right. It's got mushrooms. It's got mushrooms. Uh, yeah, basically that they're not paying anything. And it's part of this Woo Energy deal and, and all this stuff. I was uh, I was not excited to see Flair. Um, I I think one crutch AW has is they really they really think that this lineage to WCW on TBS and TNT still matters. And there's been such a long gap that I just, I don't think it does. It's like a cool thing, but they can't use any footage from it. They can't show anything. It's all owned by this, this uh, much larger competitor. Um, And just the play, you know, I, I just, I'm very wary of them leaning too heavy into this, like pro W like, a version of WWE. I want the, the the thing that was so refreshing when AEW they first started was it was it was their own thing, their own unique look. It's like uh, I still remember, you know, that night in Washington when Kenny Omega got put through that glass table, right in that that brawl at the end of the show. As like you don't see a lot of this in WWE. It just it felt like a fresh look and 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 everything after that was fresh. And I thought this year it really swung towards oh this is stuff we kind of see elsewhere. The comedy and some stuff's okay, but like. You know, bringing it, Adam Copeland is fine because he's an in-ring guy, but Flair just—I just don't think he adds anything at this point. And in this this illusion that some people have that he does, I just—I don't. It doesn't seem like a, the AW fan base was that kind of really into it, and uh, he really struggles with the promo. He had the, the promo and rampage again. Had to get heavily edited because he mentioned about the 
the women about, you know, the girls 18 to 24 come to the hotel room and that had to get edited off. And yeah, I, I just, I was surprised by this, but um, I don't know what they do after Sting leaves. You know, uh, I don't know what his, what uh, Flair's goal is going to be or I, I, his purpose. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, Ric Flair making his AEW debut in, uh, in uh, October. Yeah. And one thing I want to add, one's funny and one's serious. So I'll start with the funny part. Uh, the constant referrals in October upon Flair's debut to let uh, Flair uh, and Darby, well, Darby being Sting's best partner and them constantly doing that. I'm like, this is Lex Luger erasure and I will not. <laughs> like that man. Well, exists. Lex Express. Yeah, like the fact that Lex and Sting, like, I know what you're saying. I 100% agree. But also, if there's any person that has been his friend and betrayed him more, it's Lex Luger. It isn't Ric Flair. Mm. And I, I just, that blew my mind. And to your point, I think Flair is a, an example of both what you were talking about and then how the fans reacted. AEW wanted to be a challenger brand. They gave him the book. I wrote an article, I think, in that month about how uh, AEW wanted to be a challenger brand. I read the book that the Warner Brothers executives had suggested to Tony. And they talk a lot about differentiating yourself from the hedge bond and doing all this stuff. And they also say at some point you have to change to kind of change with your fans and change in a way where they don't understand why you're changing, but you have to follow to get the why. The ethos should still be that DNA of what built AEW. And moving more towards WWE was not what AEW fans wanted. That's why they left. The folks who are full hard stop AEW fans don't want a WWE experience. Additionally, AEW has been, since its exception, while WWE might have one of the best women's rosters on in North America in terms of talent, AEW has courted the female audience in terms of uh, banning Hogan from ringside, banning his wife from ringside, making fun of Vince and his improprieties. And when you do that, when one of your key stars and confidants narrated the very dark side of the ring episode that brought Flair's alleged sins to light... That's and then right. you try to poo-poo that as it's no big deal. And then Flair does, for as much as he talks about 16 to whatever, or whatever, 18 to 24-year-old women, he turned into a 12-year-old, regardless of gender. I guess if you guys don't want me, Ric Flair is not. <laughs> you know, and then all these brothers, oh, we love you, Nate. Don't, please don't let the haters get you down. Stephanie Chase wrote a great article talking about it as a female wrestling fan, fighting to get into those Q&As, fighting to get the opportunity in AEW saying they're going to stand to be something different. And then you hire this guy and make people tell people essentially to shut up and take it. That's a WWE move up until this point. AEW has been the let's listen, let's create AEW heels. Let's create a safe environment for women where they can be fans amongst their fellow women and enjoy each other's company without the male gaze. Let's get the Bechdel test out and pass every time. I feel like that's where their misstep is. And if you want to make this a, a nostalgia, let's bring everybody back in tour, own it. Don't say, well, technically they're paying us to have them on TV because that sounds like you're a make-a-wish. You're not a, a company <laughs> that's trying to be yeah. like, well, I said, you know, if we're good this year, they're going to give us a couple of cookies and we get to put this guy on TV. It's in kind, you see. No, we don't need that. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that Challenger book. That's why I know I wanted to have you on the show because I had written that down a long time ago. I'm like, I need to get this book. And you read it. I'm like, I was so envious. I'm like, God, I should have read that book. So now I have it saved in my card. I'm going to read it soon. Yeah. And um, there's actually a second book, too, by that same author. He talks about what to do now that you've been established. I'm hoping Warner then gives that to Tony. Okay. It's like, here's face, too. 
All right, let's go in this uh, first chunk of uh, AEW news. And so we got a lot of stuff here. Okay, so MJF, this was a surprise. Uh, an MJF Kenny Omega match on AEW Collision with like three days built. Imagine that. That's where we're at at the end of 2023. I still, I, I still think they should have done the MJF Omega match on Full Gear and made the white match, Jay White match earlier, even though. I know the whole thing is well. He was trying to defend off his, uh, his the title, the length of the title reign, but nobody cared about that until they actually brought it up. And they're like, okay, I just think you have that match. There's some they don't have a ton of matches that you put on a paper. It's like this is this is something, and this was mm -hmm. something, and they put it again with just like a couple days build. I still uh, I still don't understand that. Uh, Tony Khan said that AEW made Jade Cargill two very big contract offers. Uh, Katsuyori Shibata said he was ready to make a commitment to AEW slash Ring of Honor. Khan said that AEW is interested in Katsuhiko Nakajima. Ray Phoenix said an old injury has been bothering him since AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. He's taking uh, still taking some time off as of now. Fred Rosser's Ring of Honor debut was set for their weekly TV. Uh, Julia Hart and Lee Johnson took some time off as they got married. Wardlow returned to the company at Dynamite Anniversary. Uh, again, the aforementioned MJF J. White World title match was confirmed for AW Full Gear, as was MJF versus the Guns. Powerhouse Hobbs joined the Don Callis family. Sammy Guevara suffered a concussion at Russell Dream. Jimmy Jacobs said that Brian Danielson brought him into AEW because he needed someone in the chaos. Adam Cole provided injury updates, said he needed two surgeries. Mariah May was expected to join AEW for coming over from stardom. Kyle O'Reilly opened up about a Rare post-surgical complication he suffered. He's still out of action, but uh, could be seeing him rather soon if we haven't seen him on TV under a you know a, a shroud and devil mask and, and all these things, as most people suspect. Dan Housen, one of his uh, first return vignettes, aired on Rampage. Ricky Starks and Big Bill won the AEW Tag Team Tales in Collision over FTR, and there was some question about what happened because uh, you know Cash Wheeler probably dealing with an injury. It's like, what, was it due to that? It's like, no, it was just a creative decision that was planned. So there was some discussion about all that. And then uh, Orange Cassidy defeated Ray Phoenix for the international championship uh, before Phoenix again went on the injured list. Any of that stick out to you? It was notable. Oh, man. I mean, first, the the injury chaos, it's almost like the New Japan uh, world heavyweight title with all of these people winning it, getting injured, and then someone else winning it. And so the poison chalice of Orange Cassidy losing it first and then having to kind of suffer through all these other injuries to getting it back, was that was definitely strange. Uh, you mentioned the other injuries, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Adam Cole, like undisputed era suffering some big L's health wise at AEW. Yeah. What are we doing boys? Uh, it was awesome to see Julia and, and Lee take that time off. And so many of their colleagues like putting up pictures and kind of appreciating them. Uh, and speaking of injuries, the one I wanted to, of all the things you mentioned that happened there, uh, other than, as you mentioned, the Kenny Omega situation, Shibata. I have both been fascinated and horrified by his usage, yeah. not in a sense of like, this is bad, but like this man, like I, I still have viscerally the memory of the crack of his skull when he head butted, like seared into my brain. And so every time I watch him wrestle and then every time I watch him not wrestle in new Japan, I get very antsy. Just like I do with any of these wrestlers, like Adam Copeland, Dan, Brian Danielson, any of these folks that have said, I have not been cleared until I came back to AEW or until I came back and then AEW signed me. I'm kind of like, okay, guys, just please. I don't like I've heard of the stories of people in the ring. Like you've heard of Nisawa. You've heard of, you know, down in 
Mexico would like pull some uh uh wait wait was it uh oh my god his head, his, his name just fell out of my head I, Polo, it's not a rich man uh, body Polos Hermanos right yeah I'm trying to remember no I'm trying <laughs> to remember the name of the gentleman that passed away in Mexico who was in the uh uh the stable oh darn it it, it fell out of my head it's gonna it's gonna come back in okay, and, and it was wrestling. He was wrestling Ray, and Ray did the six one nine, but he had a, a a cardiac arrest. Oh, 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 oh my God! Yeah, uh, there are people yelling at us right now. There's like it's this person. And, and, yeah, and it's one of those things where this happens a lot for me because again, I got the memory of a hamster. Uh, Paraguay, my Paraguay, yes, yeah, Peros del Mar. Yeah, like I, I was that sort of. I I do not want to see that. And I also don't want to concern troll. I, this isn't so, I just don't think wrestlers should do dangerous <laughs> things. It's their life. Do it. Yeah. Whatever. God bless. But please don't make me, like, I remember watching when Owen died. And and those sorts of things, like, as a teenager, like, if my mom had known, she was already, like, borderline with pro wrestling. She's like, all right, so what's that thing they're putting Steve Austin on? It's a symbol, mom. I know. <laughs> like, it's a symbol. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why is she getting sacrificed? It's like you say he's the devil. It's like, all right, uh, you, what, what, you mentioned rabbit ears randomly. I'll take them both. I'm hardcore, and the rabbit ears going on the <laughs> other side. We're gonna pretend like I can't get ECW for a few minutes. Uh, lastly, I think all my meandering aside, Jimmy Jacobs was also one of those key people bringing him in and having folks disagree about the method by which, like, a lot of shows in October began to be seen as like this was a Jimmy Jacobs produced segment or something where they could see kind of the tendrils he had had an impact being recreated with kind of the silly and the crazy and AEW and folks starting to get a little sour as well. Yeah. Mike Gilbert brought that up. He was a uh, voice of wrestling and does a brace for impact podcast. He was a, a guest one of the previous episodes and he, he's just, he saw all this stuff with Jimmy Jacobs and impact. He's like, it's the same thing. The Julie Hart being kind of the spooky person, all like it's mm-hmm. the same, like he's bringing over just literally, you know, the same characters. It's the, and it's the like, office meme. It's the same picture. Exactly. Exactly. Do you um do you think Shabbat's brain? How long was that brain out in the table? Do you think when uh I want to say at least six minutes, probably at least six or seven minutes. Like someone might have they might have they, they might have like had it out there. They got a little worried. <laughs> they got to put this sucker in. I'm yeah. a big like a kid, kid of the '80s. Like Krang, like maybe they tried to put it in the stomach for a little bit, take a picture. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Let's go through the uh let's go through the rest of the month. AEW's uh announced they're gonna be part of a one million dollar merchandise donation to Toys for Tots in December. Uh Zach Clayton no longer with AEW. MJF spoke at a stand-up to Jewish hate event at Foxborough Stadium with the uh six-time world champion New England Patriots. Won't throw that in there. AEW and CFX reach a settlement in the Luchasaurus. Mask lawsuit. BSK no longer a under AEW contract. Mystico made his AEW debut on Rampage. The company thanked AEW following the, his match with Rocky Romero, and then AEW both both AEW and CML LL announced they were excited for future opportunities to work together. Tony Khan explained when business became personal with him and AEW, or sorry, with him and WWE rather. And uh, part of that kind of uh, some of the things we talked about earlier, Kota Bushi gave an update on his contract status, saying essentially he was signed, even though the company had not announced it yet. They waited till November to do that. It was kind of random. Uh, Serena Deeb was uh, reportedly backstage at Collision. The company announced a final battle will take place in December in Texas, and that it would be an exclusive Honor Club streaming special instead of a pay-per-view, which was a hint towards a AEW pay-per-view happening in December. Chris Jericho reacted to Tony Khan's recent social media posts 
basically just said he can do whatever he wants. He's the boss. He's not going to tell him what to do. Uh, Adam Copeland and FTR filed the trademark. Rated FTR, getting those uh, PWT t-shirts ready for the future. Tony Siobhan addressed uh, his new role as the AEW Collision lead announcer, saying he had talked to Tony Khan and said he uh, essentially wanted to get back in the, in the announce booth, thought maybe Rampage might be good, and then uh, Collision came up instead. So that's how that happened. Darby Allen appeared at Nitro Circus. There's this ridiculous jump off a bike or something like that when his shoulder's already screwed up and her shoulder again said he thinks his shoulder's fractured. Just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, Brock Anderson, remove. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm go sorry, for Jeff. it. Like, I, 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 I wanted you to leave the shift, but this is the one where it's like, I, I looked at this in the notes, like, I'm broken, man. Like, Darby Allen is like, hey, Tony, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. I'm going to go practice climbing. Hey, Tony, I'm going to throw myself off the Nakatomi Tower. You cool with that? Cool. Like, at some point, you got to say, bro, like, Patriot, if Tom Brady wanted to, like, randomly start becoming Tom Cruise in the middle of his run, Belichick and company would be like, hold, hold it up, player. Like, let's just chill. But at no point is anyone, more than Danielson, more than freaking Shibata, someone's got to tell this dude, your day job is here. Right. Chill. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. That was supposed to be Sting's role, right? Maybe now he's distracted with Ric Flair. Who knows? Uh, Brock Anderson was removed from the roster page and his uh, time at the company was done. House of Black made their return. Battle of the Belts 8 happened. The three title matches, none of them changed hands, and that was all that. Uh, Okada was announced to make his uh, Dynamite in-ring debut, teaming with Orange Cassidy on an episode of Dynamite. John Moxley made his return from injury. Sammy Callahan was seen backstage at AEW Collision, which got fans worried that he was going to be signed. Uh, Brock Anderson again confirmed his departure. Sky Tuhati, who I forgot uh, was with AEW, gave an update his behind-the-scenes role, saying he was doing some producing and coaching. He hopes to do more of it in 2024, so we'll see what happens there. The company did officially announce that their first-ever December pay-per-view, World's End, will be coming at the end of the month. Brian Danielson's broken orbital bone, we learned, was sustained during an AEW Collision match with Andrade. And then he needed surgery. However, that would not keep him out of action very long, as we would soon find out. Uh, yeah, Brian Danielson, a crazy mofo. Uh, Mark Briscoe made his return rampage after a long absence due to a knee injury. And LFI made their return on collision after seemingly endless vignettes. So Roosh and the crew were back in action. Thoughts about any of that? Well, I mean, LaFaccione and Gobanabo. Having them back. And LaRouche being back without the fins, I always have joked with Sean Radican over the torch. I call it the friends and family plan. Like, you get Roosh, you get his dad, you get one of his brothers, and <laughs> there isn't a deal. You just have to pay for all of them. Like, that's yep. just how it works. Like, the yep. last days of Ring of Honor, I was like, bestia, dude. Like, they really pay for you to come here and do this? Like, this is like, uh, if you all remember yeah. the end of uh, freaking, uh, if you remember the end of uh, uh, Happy Gilmore, he's like, you know, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the water boy. He's like, I'm Lorenzo. We could be like Tiger Woods and his daddy. <laughs> like, that's basically for me, like him now. Like, anytime my kid shows up, you're paying for me too. So that's, you know, I'm glad that they kind of cut that off at the past. Danielson's orbit, though. We're see, still seeing that now, the insanity of that man. And bear with me. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, so you're dealing with all that insanity and you have Brock Anderson. I I thought he was going to be okay. 
But it wasn't something where, like, if anything, I saw this is okay. He's leaving. I understand. Tony has to kind of let things go. There, you can't, you can't keep everybody. You got like a two hundred person roster at this point. As much as again, second mm-hmm. generation Nepo kid, whatever you want to call it, it happened. I already said what I had to say about Darby Allen. He is a danger to himself and society at large. I'm like J. Jonah Jameson, like Darby Allen, hero <laughs> or menace. Like, wh- right. why can't this man calm down? Uh, and last but not least, I, least, I did want to talk about the Abushi thing because oh, Abushi and Tony. The Abushi thing's hilarious to me because, like you said, months later, we get the all elite like play group, but he'd already said it. Like, I, it felt like one of those, um, like the Sinbad Aladdin movie. Mm. where it's kind of like the Mandela effect. I was like, okay, am I crazy? <laughs> so when I saw you, I was like, okay, so I'm not crazy. He did say well before they announced him that like, yeah, I work for AEW now. And, you know, Tony, I completely get that. Having your mom sick and then having people call and say, hey, WWE is trying to like poach me, allegedly, is you're going to be in a different emotional state. But at the time, to Jericho's point, if you don't want to tell your boss what to and not to do, you can at least you can at least be a trusted person to say, hey, like maybe this isn't the best outlet. Because to me, if I, you know, am out there in a public forum, I had that happen once or twice. I don't nearly go with Dave, the love with Dave, like elbows dudes off the top rope on Twitter. But I've had idiots say things and it goes tit for tat. And then all of a sudden I get a DM for guys and it's like, Rich, just Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because it shows me it's like, hey, time to step back. Tony talking about how it became personal was uh, revelatory because whether it's the NFL, Fulham soccer or wrestling, he has a personal stake in it where a lot of folks are just seeing things as business where they can be scumbags and they can do things that are kind of more predatory. And that's just part of the package where he thought that there was like a gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. And that's this is this is like that's why like you were right like calling a war isn't necessarily fair but the guys he's up against especially our emmanuel nick khan in particular those are people where you know over at the torch i've had folks who've been in television and movies do podcasts on my show tell horror stories to the extent they're allowed to about especially like a nick khan this guy grew up dirt poor he can be in a room with a billionaire or with a sandwich guy and he can have a conversation he will not play fair he's just gonna see it as I want to win. If you don't want to win, that's cool, but I want to win. And so Tony needs to understand that because it isn't going to be, it's not like they knew that his mom was sick and it's like, we pounce. It was, I'm back in power. Let's get the game back together. I know you were kind of upset that Vince didn't understand. You're spooky. I get your spooky. You see what I'm doing right now with Bray? Come on back. Allegedly, Malachi, You, if you want to hang out with your wife a little bit, I know your father-in-law is there, but who wants to hang out with their father-in-law all the time? Come on over, Andrade. <laughs> it, it's like it, it, it was what it was. I, but I get him being upset about it. I see both sides of it. One, WWE being the hegemonic jerks they can be. NFL does that with all the other other things too. But on the other side, Tony really, you know, he doesn't see this as. And I saw an article today uh, about that. Like I can spend this much money. I see this as a a personal mission for me to bring an alternative as a wrestling fan who's been engaged and has the wherewithal and the resources to do so. So I can see why he looks at this differently than maybe others in the past, like a Dixie Carter or, you know, uh, insert company here. Yep. How many career matches do you think Brock Anderson has had? 12. 51 total. 
in uh, 50. That's more than I thought. I thought he really was just anytime he showed up with him and Lee and, uh, you know, 51 matches. Dame back to and two. now he's in developmental. He's you know letting letting him cook. Yeah. So yeah, I brought this. I, I bring us up just because I these young guys that they bring in after mm-hmm. dark was done. I mean, they the guys are wrestling you know ten minute matches on dark, two minute matches on dark. It has been the game since two thousand one, and this hasn't really worked a lot of indies. I wonder how much they want it. You know, because like these mm-hmm. guys, this is what happens after you know WWE releases is you get to find out who really wants it. You know, who really wants to be a wrestler versus I was just trying to be a star. And I, I like, I'm just surprised like someone like this that has the name, like you should be just like getting out there working, like with a name like that, that gives you a, a heads up on so many other people. And I just was always surprised. And they have other guys like this and, and women like this too, that, you know, they just don't, uh, that for some reason they just don't like, they just don't get out there and, and work, you know? And I'm always shocked mm-hmm. by that, especially if you've been on AEW TV, that's a, it's a nice feather in your cap. So yeah, I'm always surprised by that. I still wanted to bring it up. Well, think so. about like Cody, like Cody did his list and he went around, he could have charged like Ryback did, but he charged enough where he was affordable. He could go yeah. to certain places and you saw him in the Indies. It's sad to your point that I can think of more matches I've seen recently with CW Anderson in it than Brock Anderson. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. All right, let's go through the month at impact. It was a big one bound for glory. And the big name change revealed at the end of Bound for Glory, if people clicked off, they missed it. I know some people started podcasting as the, as the show was uh, just <laughs> off the air. And then all of a sudden, as they're going, they're like, what is this video? And all of a sudden, they see the uh, the whole thing with uh, the return of TNA Wrestling announced to be coming back in 2024. The fans demanded it. The sponsors demanded it. And by God, Scott Demore and Anthem gave it to him. Alex Shelley successfully defended his uh, Impact World title against Josh Alexander, Chris Bain, A. Austin regained the Impact Tag Team title. Sonny Kiss made his Impact Wrestling debut at Bound for Glory. Just a short-term deal appeared on TV afterwards. CM Punk was backstage at the company's uh, subsequent TV taping in Chicago, and he was soon received an offer from them that, you know, they threw one out there, but, you know, he had uh, he had bigger bigger fish to fry. Will Ospreay versus Josh Alexander was announced for the Bound for Glory Fallout TV taping. Byron Reed made his return, or made his Impact debut, rather, at the Fallout tapings. They held a this weird site announced a Lucha Libre celebration at the Bound for Glory TV taping for like an hour as part of the TV. I, I it was just a really strange like strange thing, but is all the guys that lose every single week, and they're just like, oh, we're going to feature these guys like Black Tarus and Laredo Kid and and all that. Uh, Osprey was announced to be facing Eddie Edwards at the Impact Wrestling Turning Point as part of the UK tour. Vladimir Kozlov, the new Oleg Prudius, made his first. <laughs> for impact wrestling who knew uh, as far as this whole santino morella uh comedy gang ace steel uh worked as a producer for the company no big surprise there pco after saying he wasn't going to resign ended up signing a new contract uh leon slater signed a long-term deal uh with tna wrestling he is uh he was i think he won the um uh not proving brown break break not breaking ground the um uh oh my god the competition they had over in the uk i'm now completely blanking on it but uh, anyway, so he signed a long-term deal, UK talent. And Alex Shelley missed the uh, in, uh, Impact Turning Point event due to what was a calf injury. That would keep him out for quite some time. But yeah, the big news of the month, TNA is back, Rich. Can you can you feel it? Can you feel those three letters and the 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 power of the six-sided ring and yellow and black brand and before NXT and all that stuff? Can, can you feel it? Universal Studios tapings. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see Shark Boy show up. Yes. Like, I, I, need, I need the full... Bring, or, 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 you know, King of the Mountain, 
I want to see King of the Mountain without yep. the King of the Mountain in it. Let's see what happens. Like, does it implode on itself? Oh, and I think it was the uh, British J Crown. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, Alex Shelley for me has been my favorite part of what's been going on with Impact. Uh, seeing him evolve from not just a member of the Motor City Machine Guns into a guy who has been respected. Guys like a, I interviewed over the Dorothy Moriarty citing uh, Alex and his generosity, bringing him to tapings, bringing other young guys to tape and speaking well for them. And then also in the Indies, like you just mentioned with a, a, a Brock Anderson, he's on TV. He has a day job that he de- greatly respects and admires. And then he's still wrestling his butt off. And then also doing things like, like admitting on Twitter, sometimes he has body dysmorphia. And so he has to like a guy who looks like shredded lettuce all the time, like has to kind of take time away because he doesn't want to kind of get mentally pulled into it. Him as champion has been awesome. Uh, the ace steel, like you said, match makes sense. CM Punk, again, during that time in October, that was when people were like, yeah, maybe he's going to sign with the impact, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, come on now. Let, let's, let's. It feels not that hard up on money, folks. Let's, let's, let's be real. Uh, and then Osprey, Osprey and Alexander, uh, that was just amazing that this guy is already like the free agent to be. Uh, and on top of that, now he's going to impact in addition to wrestling, you know, Wembley for AEW and doing what he does with Rev Pro. It was just really cool to see that. And then Leon Slater, he's found a great niche there. And I hope he does well with that uh, after the breakout tournament. Um, or with the super great British Jacob, I, I know that Rev Pro was very high on like the possibility of him just kind of keeping doing what he was doing. And yeah, Vladimir Kozlov, never in a million years thought that dude was going to be back. So that was <laughs> just like, go. there you go. Let's go through the month of Japan. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus Hanare and uh, never open weight title match was set. And Julia challenged by High End for uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Kota Bushi said he was not fully recovered and new injuries have quote unquote been have proven difficult. Hiroki Goto missed the remainder of the New Japan uh, Destruction Tour due to an injury. Zack Sabre Jr. said he won the Brian Danielson rematch either in England or Japan. Walker Stewart was confirmed as a new English language commentator for New Japan. Leo Rush missed some dates due to a fever. The road to destruction dates and that was pulled from the show. And then Yo was added to the, uh, I believe it was a three-way IWGP junior title match. On those events, or one of those events rather, Tamatonga retained the never open way title at destruction in right. I always mess this up. Ryo Goku, that Ryo Goku, did I get that right? I think so. I I sometimes would say Ryo Goku because I just get nervous. So I, you can't go by me. Ryo Goku, we'll take it. And then uh, just five guys added uh, Yue, uh, Yue, Yue, Yuramura, rather. Main event was official for Wrestle Kingdom 18, uh, Sonata versus Naito for the IWGP world title. Company of Real Teams for the Super Junior Tag League. Mayu Iwatani uh, was set to defend her women's title at the New Japan Lone Star Shootout. At Royal Quest 3, Will Ospreay uh, retained his U.S.-UK championship over Zack Sabre Jr., a uh, U.K. title match, as well as John Moxley versus the great Okan was set for Power Struggle. Uh, talking about the free agency of Will Ospreay, as he was looking to explore every single option in contract talks. He was open to sign with WWE and relocating to the United States. He would not have to do apparently either of those, uh, or though I think he might be relocating with this uh this new deal, we'll have to see. Uh, Shingo Takagi won the never open weight title at Fighting Spirit Unleashed. That title changing hands a few times. Uh, the five title matches were official for the Lone Star Shootout, and the Stardom was announced to be holding a January 4th show prior to Do Japan Wrestle Kingdom. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I think the Stardom, 
event. That makes a lot of sense, especially with the synergy between the two companies under Bushi Road. Uh, to your point about uh, what was going on with Osprey, I thought it was just good evidence that Barry Bloom was doing his job as an agent, educating him on, yeah, let's not cut your nose off to spite your face. Even if you want to sign with AEW, say you're willing to go to WWE, say you're willing to relocate to the United States. All right, let's do you one better. You want to stay there with your kid? Yeah, Just don't do what the Bucks did. And it's like, hey, I was going to retire, but you offered me a crap load of money. So thanks. <laughs> I'm going to keep wrestling kind of. Yeah. By the way, here's my sick time for the next month. Bye. Uh, <laughs> like th- that, that made sense. Uh, looking at Osprey, he was in a great position in October. Uh, the matches he was having, the, the, the way it set him up, self up post Wembley, he could do no wrong. Uh, on the Japanese side, uh, just five guys added a new guy. And so it was kind of like, is he just a guys, or are you going to keep like alternating? Like, who's the guy that's out? Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and then the, this, I, I will say the uh, the the Goto injury was disappointing because Goto's been one of the spine guys, and I, losing him for October and November, and then thankfully they were able to get him back for the uh, uh, World War Tag League. Uh, but he he's a guy that really found his watermark in Bishamon, and so having him back there was good. Uh, yeah, but for me that was it in the Japanese side of things. Oh, and of course Mayu Watani. Lone Star shootout. I thought that would bode to be a, a pretty good opportunity for her too. Mm. All right, let's round the bend with uh the junk drawer. And this is everything that did not fit in all these other categories, led off by uh this is surprising. This got brought up on one of the last shows. Uh Ronda Rousey making her surprise in-ring return at a Lucha Vavoom event. And then was set for her tag team match with Maria Shafir at uh Wrestling Revolver's Unreal show. And this uh, well, so we'll go through this, but I want to come back to just how much of a nothing burger people do not seem to care about Ronda Rousey at all. She was one of the biggest stars, sports stars in the world several years ago uh, in the UFC. Went to WWE, and in that second run, it just took it all the air was out of the balloon, and she left. She did that Ring of Honor date, and these days it just didn't just it's a, and nobody gave a shit. It is just incredible uh, when you really think about it. Hulk Hogan gave an update on his biopic saying Netflix missed the date, brother. So who knows when that'll come out or if that was even planned to begin with. Uh, MLW Underground officially not returning to reels, ending that saga that uh, took place for the month of or the year of 2023. The NWA announced the return of the territory system. That's going to turn things around. Uh, Billy Corgan said the NWA has signed not one, but two TV deals. However, Sam Hain, which also took place during this month and a strangely placed cocaine spot, Ruined that whole thing, apparently, allegedly. We don't know, uh, but it kind of did. Reportedly, uh, CW was the company that uh, NWA signed the two TV deals, TV deals with. Uh, it's very just confusing what is going on there, but uh, they're on this supposedly this app, and nobody cares. So it's just could be the blunder of all blunders, and uh, now NXT is over there as well. Uh, John Moxley unable to compete at Wrestling Revolver event. Again, this was uh, due to his... Uh, his concussion recovered from that. Kevin Nash had a procedure done to remove skin cancer. Filthy Tom Lawler returning to MLW was set for a world title match upon his return. Dave Boy Smith Jr. underwent emergency uh, appendix and colon surgery, uh, getting the jump on Kenny Omega there. The Grizzled Young Veterans and this a global takeover following their official departure from the company. And they also then made their first post WWE appearance. Chris Hero made his in ring return. West Coast Pro and kind of was hinted that might be his last, but then decided he's going to keep going with it. So yeah, Chris Hero back in action. 
Uh, new champions are crowned at MLW Slaughterhouse. Janai Kai winning the women's featherweight title. Rocky Romero winning the uh, men's middleweight title in a champion versus champion match. On that show, Jerry Lawler provided an update and recovery from his February stroke, so kind of getting better there. Main any promotion, Limitless Wrestling, canceled their, their show uh, following the Lewiston mass shooting incident. Uh, I did, Full disclosure, I do a podcast for Limitless Wrestling. I'm actually from Lewiston, and uh, it was just a crazy, crazy stretch. It was just unfortunate to cancel everything. But uh, they just had a sold-out house for the show this past weekend, so everything's back on track for them. Uh, Delaware School District honored Jay Briscoe by naming a locker room after him. Uh, Alex Kane versus uh, Jacob Fatu was uh, announced for MLW Fightland for the Kane's World Heavyweight title. John Moxley, this guy actually got a question at a press conference at Triple H. John Moxley calling for the system to spot concussions and protect wrestlers, so looking for um, looking for more help because obviously – he had the concussion in that match with Ray Phoenix and uh, referee Nick uh, John uh, Rick Knox, and just kind of just mm-hmm. messed it up and didn't hear what was going on or whatever. And the match continues. So John Moxley is saying there should be a better system to spot those type of things. Uh, then what turned out to be an angle: Alex Hammerstone requested his release from MLW. He would soon come back as uh, Matt Cardona's uh, faction there. And then uh, Lance Anoy and Juicy Finale, Simone's SWAT team, were granted their releases. From the company, so yeah, there's there's a lot of different things in there. Again, the Rousey thing, it really surprised me. Like she, her, it was it was like okay, she's making a return to to indies, I guess. And uh, and again, with the Ring of Honor date that would happen in November, it's kind of like nobody really cared that much. It wasn't like a lot of buzz, and it was like a story, but people just didn't really care. It's like people have kind of moved on from her, and that that last WWE run really, really took her her star stature in terms of wrestling fans down quite a bit i don't know if she cares but mm-hmm. kind of from the outside that's what it looked like i don't think she cares josh and looking at the way the matches went she just wanted to do fun things with her friends i respect that but it works even better and i look at that whether it's marina or uh you know Shayna in wwe it works better when you have the star party to help them with yeah. that and it, it just it's unfortunate it's really unfortunate but for her if that's what you want to do, you know, be, you know, retired lady who occasionally wrestles, who am I to judge? Uh, in terms of some of the other uh, junk drawer items, MLW as a whole, like you have the return of Selena de Larenta with uh, Kai and with uh, the title winner with, with Chavo and kind of poo-pooing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I almost died. So what? I'm back. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> I remember the dude from Lucha Underground had you murdered. You owed him money. Like, am I, I again? Am I crazy, or did are you just gonna poo poo this? And MLW went with the poo poo method. Uh, and then with the uh, juicy finale, the small small SWAT team. Uh, it part of it to me was a lot of guys started asking for the releases, Hammerstone included, and it made sense to go, you know, after the fact. It's interesting, especially with in hindsight, looking at what the, the, the lawsuit court needs to have a baseline of people. This World Titan Federation thing they're doing with. It's just, that is the if you need an example of if Tony needs an example with AEW of is this too close to the WWE that look at that, mm-hmm. because I don't. And I know when most people say this, they they don't mean it. But like, I mean, like I get that Saint Laurent's been around and wrestling for years and years and years. 
But if you could honestly countenance the fact that you think this is a good idea and you're going to get more viewers, because I, I I get the, the 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 screeners, I review them every week. Like when I saw that, and I'm like, I got to keep my mouth shut for like six days. Okay, all right, I'm just gonna. <laughs> I was like, text my Travis. Did you see the episode? I've been doing? No, I haven't watched it. I was like, all right, I'll call you later. Like, like that sort of stuff bothers me because you have Jacob Fatu, who should be shot to the moon. You have Hammerstone, who should be in more. And if you're not going to use him or Richard Holiday, let let him go to AEW, and MJF can really sink his teeth into being the devil and having his guys around him again and doing sure. something silly like that. Uh, with some of the other stuff that you mentioned in the in the junk drawer, just thinking about the return of Chris Hero, much like what we were talking about before with CM Punk, I just assume much like with Christian's debut in AEW, when Tony mentioned there was going to be a big event, a big signing, a change of faith, I'm like, oh, they're going to announce that Chris Hero is not just a coach; he's also going to wrestle. Which happy for me. I would love to see Heroes eventually die reunite, or uh. Heaven forbid Claudio can leave the Blackpool Combat Club and play with his friend for a couple of weeks as a tag team wrestler and smash some fools. I would have loved Chris Hero in the Continental Classic. Got that one for free, Tony. Like you put him in there and just let him smash dudes. He could have been in the Ganichiro Tenru role in a in a Champions Carnival. Just the old man just slapping dudes upside the head and dropping them. And then it's just like, all right, I got like seven, eight points. I'm going to have a couple of draws because I'm just going to keep beating these guys up outside the ring. Or I'm going to beat a dude within the edge of his life and the rest going to have to reverse the decision. Do whatever you got to do, but you could have had some fun with a Chris Hero there. But seeing him in West Coast Pro, and I'm glad you gave the uh, the addendum to because I, I remember that that awful incident and kind of how things had to change. And a lot of times, people kind of get concerned for, oh, I don't know if the wrestling company is going to survive after being human beings to a tragedy. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right, boy, that was a busy month. And uh, before I let you go, give a chance to plug away. You've uh, several podcasts. You're right. Floor yours. Let's see what you got. All right. Uh, no pressure. No pressure. Uh, spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti. Uh, at the torch that's where i started that's kind of where i hang my hat i do several shows i do the deep dive with rich fan and will cooling uh we we do that probably monthly or bi-monthly because uh will's in the united kingdom i'm here in the states sometimes time gets and, and my life gets a little crazy so will's very patient with me uh if you ever get a chance anytime wade has his flagship simulcast with everything you can try that for free or if you wanted to be a vip member and you already are uh, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Uh, I do everything with Rich and Wade where we talk about everything. It could be wrestling. It could be life. We jump around. My mailbag with Josh Mustachio for everything. We'll do the same. We probably start usually with some college football, and then we delve into things such as this week we reviewed the TV show The Failed Pilot Tag Team starring Jesse Ventura and Roddy yeah. Piper wow. where they play pro wrestlers that turned into cops that I wish i was independently like tony's independently i wish i was independently wealthy because i would make tag team right now <laughs> and i would try to find two wrestlers to do it because it was glorious watching this especially the co-stars because there were so many people where i'm like oh i know that dude i know that lady that's the girl from charles in charge that's the dude from this show it, it was great and additionally over at uh post wrestling 
I co-host MCU later with WH Park, where we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, we'll talk about comic book movies, comic book TV shows, occasionally tie some wrestling in when WH doesn't dog cuss me. And last but certainly not least, over at the Torch, I got my start with the East Coast cast with Travis Bryant and Cam Hawkins. Cam's no longer here. He's with the Ringer. He's exploded into a uh, entity unto himself. Uh, but myself and Travis still doing the stuff on the VIP side of things. Uh, and of course, myself with Radican, Radican Worldwide. Sean Radican is the man. I am always grateful to have his knowledge. And sometimes it's it's fun to hear his accent because he is from Rhode Island. And it's like it's like family guy in real life. <laughs> and then when yeah. he gets annoyed, like Sean annoyed is like so fun because he just lets it rip. So those are all the things I do. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Rich underscore fan, F-A-N-N. Uh, I don't know what's going on with that site, but as long as I'm there, we'll have a conversation. Good stuff. Well, I knew I knew we'd go long because it's two 40-year-old guys talking wrestling on a Monday <laughs> night. This is what happens. Dads, all that stuff, dad energy. But uh, this was great. I'm glad. I'm so glad you're on Pollock and Thurston. So glad to be able to hear you and so glad you're able to be here. Uh, hopefully be an annual thing for sure. And yeah. uh, hopefully won't, uh, hopefully won't be a year before I talk to you again, but you kind of get what I mean. I think you're a great fit for the series and uh, yeah. What a month, October. And uh, just like that, we're done. Rich fan. Thanks so much. Thanks again for the invitation. <laughs>